Hello, everybody. This is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me today, and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, and our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And today, we have a special guest. It's going to be a bit of a departure from my normal subject matter, but I think that it's very, very important. And uh, today's guest is Tom O'Connor, and he's with the FBI Agents Association. And uh, you might be asking, well, why are we talking to the FBI Agents Association on the Recovery is Possible podcast? And that's because, um, you know, many of you know, uh, I am a retired FBI agent, spent my whole life uh, either in the military, in the police world as a police officer, and an FBI agent. And that was my background, but whatever background you have, whatever your employment is, you likely have uh, people in your organization that are there to help you in your organization. And for us, uh, a big part of that is the FBI Agents Association, which Tom is going to talk to us about. And the reason why I want to bring this up is in the recovery journey, we don't do this alone. We don't um, get well uh, by ourselves. It's a community effort and you want to tap into a lot of different people with different expertise that can add to your recovery journey. And that can be therapists, that can be 12-step meetings, that can be uh, friends, family, co-workers. And then, of course, our organizations have uh, uh, different aspects to the organization that will help us along the way. And Tom's part of that. So uh, just a little background how I know Tom, and it's kind of interesting. Um, I was uh, not a Washington field office guy. I, w- I was a headquarters guy. I came back here to headquarters. I was out in uh, Dallas for much of my career, field career, and then and then came back to headquarters and was at the academy. But as I was retiring, <laughs> of all things, I had met Tom a number of times, but I was retiring and I had to go to our human resources division, which is in the Hoover building downtown. And I had blown my back out. I eventually had a pretty major um, operation a week or two after I, I had met Tom in the, the story I'm, I'm telling you here. And I had blown my back out, blow, blew a disc out, and I'm on crutches just hobbling around. But meanwhile, I'm, I'm trying to get through our human resources resources department, trying to get my paperwork done to retire. And as I'm walking out, I see Tom and his wife. And I said, hey, Tom what are you doing here? And he asked me why I was hobbling around on crutches. And we started into a conversation. And because uh, I knew that Tom was at the at the field office, but I didn't know why he had a desk over at headquarters. And um, and then Tom explained to me that he and his wife, uh, who, who is also retired, by the way, Tom is a retired agent and his wife is a retired agent, but we, we were all still in the organization at the time. And they were there um, looking at records, trying to help uh, survivors and victims of 9/11, and um, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna leave that at there because Tom's gonna go into greater detail talking about what he and his wife were doing, um, and I was just just amazed and in awe of what Tom was doing and the work that he and his wife were doing to help the employees out. And so with that, want to uh, turn it over to you, Tom, and if you can tell us who you are and what it is that you do. No, I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you very much for having me uh, on your podcast today. Uh, very interesting. Uh, uh, interviews you've done in the past. I listened to several of them and uh, really good stuff and very important stuff also. Um, as you said, I was a, an FBI agent. My wife, Jean, was also an FBI agent. We were in uh, for over 20 years each, and we were responders to uh, 9-11 at the Pentagon. And uh, on 9-11, uh, 
we did our job there. We stayed. We worked for uh, close to a month at the Pentagon site and uh, with many agents from the field office and from other field offices. And so we kind of built that bond with people uh, from the 9-11 first responders community. And it was somewhere around 2000 and I would say five uh, that we started noticing that people that we were had worked with at the Pentagon, friends of ours at Washington Field, uh, were becoming sick with different illnesses uh, and specifically a cancer called a multiple myeloma, which generally hits people who are in their 70s. And uh, both of these guys that we worked with were uh, were extremely healthy. They were both runners. Uh, as you know, agents have to stay in pretty good shape. And uh, they, these guys were, were really getting hit hard with this stuff. So uh, we were friends with another agent, Scott Stanley, who is, I call him the thousand pound brain. He's a PhD and very, very smart. And uh, both Gene and, and I uh, had a discussion with Scott back then that uh, this was something that wasn't the norm. And uh, we were at a evidence response team conference um, where all of the evidence response team leaders from around the country come together and it's a training seminar and that, that type of an event. And at the end of it, we had a question and answers with the bosses from uh, Quantico. And I raised my hand and I said, uh, and what are we doing for the people who were exposed on 9-11, both or all three locations, whether it be the Pentagon, Ground Zero, or at Shanksville? And uh, because we're seeing people from our field office uh, that are getting sick with things that they really shouldn't be getting. And at the time, there were studies that were being done uh, in New York uh, with responders there. And there was starting to be a swell of uh, support in the medical world that the exposure to the toxins uh, at the 9-11 sites was making people sick. And it was, was not until a uh, police officer with the last name as Draga uh, became ill and passed from this that it really started getting uh, some serious look. And in 2008, a good friend of ours, Bob Roth, who was uh, an agent uh, at WFO for a long time, a criminal uh, investigator, then he went to work the anthrax case and was just a great agent. Um, Bob passed. Uh, from the uh, 9-11 cancers or from a, a cancer. And it became uh, a mission for us to try and see if this was something uh, that that was related to 9-11. And sadly, as we started to scratch the surface of this, we started to find that there was a lot more under the surface and more people. Uh, there was an agent, Wesley Yu, uh, at WFO also, who, who became sick with the same type of myeloma. And then uh, Steve Carr from WFO also became sick. And all of these uh, agents passed. Um, Jerry Job, another agent from WFO that sat next to be on the squad, uh, he passed from the, the cancer. Uh, Mark Mikulski, I'll go through all the names, but the, it was really hitting very, very close to where we were. Uh, so at the time, uh, Director Mueller was the. Oh, and by the way, and Tom, uh, by the yeah. way, I I, I want to say, and you're talking Washington Field Office, but yes. it was it was the the Across same the thing board. was being seen at the FBI has 56 field offices, and this was starting to be seen 
across the FBI in people who had, so it wasn't just Washington, it was hitting across. No, the right. Yeah. Right, 100, 100%. And it just, it kind of manifested itself first off in Washington where we were kind of becoming cognizant of maybe there's something going on. And uh, we went to Director Mueller. And at the time, the medical research was being done, but it wasn't fully vetted that this was what was going on. So uh, in his uh, eyes, we had to do a little bit more internal research. So Director Mueller jumped on that and, and we actually did an internal bureau uh, uh, study. And uh, it was kind of, it turns out it was kind of a flawed study and it came back that uh, everybody went to Quantico and maybe Quantico was a tie. They didn't, they didn't make the, the connection. Um, but then uh, as time went on, we kept uh, doing our research and following on with what was going on in New York um, through Cedar sinai And uh, they came up with, they spent about $40 million in, in medical research and, and conclusively said that uh, exposure to these toxins was uh, a, either exacerbated or caused the uh, cancers in people that shouldn't be getting them. And uh, it started with the fire department there, the police department, and, um, and then we got ourselves involved. When Director uh, Comey was the director of the FBI, um, Director Comey uh, really took this. He assigned Val Parlave, who was the executive assistant director over human resources, so the highest person in the FBI's human resource division, uh, and said, you know, let's get this done. And we started looking into it further. And in, in all honesty, the the purpose that I had in mind for uh, determining these agents at the time, all agents, that their deaths were related to 9-11 was to honor them with the National Law Enforcement Memorial uh, in Washington, D.C., and also the FBI's uh, Wall of Honor at headquarters and throughout the field offices. And in all honesty, that was that was what I thought was going to be our big win was getting these people's names on this wall so that their families would know that they had fallen uh, from 9-11 related illnesses that was because of their service. And as we worked with people at headquarters, uh, primarily Mike Huff, who's a unit chief in the Human Resources Division, uh, he, we started to find out that there was a lot more to it, uh, that there was... Uh, you know, work that could be done through the Department of Labor, the public safety officers benefit. And then we started finding out about the World Trade Center Health Program and the Victims Compensation Fund, which I'll go into. And, you know, we weren't just doing this as FBI agents, right? At, at the time uh, we started this, I was on the executive board of the FBI Agents Association. And as time went on, I served seven years as the vice president of the association and also at the end of my career, three years, my last three years was as a president of the FBI Agents Association. So under the auspices of the FBI Agents Association, we were able to muster the resources to work with headquarters and work with these other entities to identify uh, potential uh, assistance for these agents and, and their families. And it, uh, it, it really, under Director Ray, uh, when he came in, uh, he really took the ball that Director Comey had passed and ran with it. And uh, we started to be able to identify the agents who had passed. And our major goal was to get people to 
who had been first responders to sign up for the World Trade Center health program. And what that does is, I know, knock on wood, I'm healthy, but I'm signed up for both the World Trade Center health program and the Victims' Compensation Fund. And so annually, uh, anybody who signed up that you have to show that you were on one of these sites, uh, and you, you get a, a free medical review where they do uh, respiratory, uh, all sorts of blood work for cancers and other issues. And you kind of get a, a, uh, a fresh look from a, a medical review each year. And that was extremely important. And then also uh, the Victims' Compensation Fund is something that we are, we've fought to get people to sign up for. And it was so difficult to get this done because it's, it really is a, a bureaucratic nightmare, right, for uh, an, an agent to try and get in and sign, this, sign up for this stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and if, you, if you add on to that, uh, if you are sick, and you're having to do this stuff. You're trying to, to, you know, regulate your chemotherapies and all this stuff, and you're just not uh, in it to to do that. You're in it to win it, uh, and that part is the difficult part. So we we hooked up with a uh, an attorney out of New York, uh, Matt McCauley of of uh, Turkin Heath and McCauley. He, he's just an amazing guy. He's a first responder himself, and. Uh, he has just been that person to hold the hand of our agents uh, and our really our members of the association because that is how we were working uh, with him and and get people signed up. So we literally have been able to get hundreds and hundreds of people who responded signed up for these programs, and hopefully they'll never have to do anything besides get their uh, annual medical. And then at the when they get the results, they get the thumbs up and they move on to the next year. Uh, but we know, sadly, that that's not the case for everyone. And currently, there are approximately 70 people in the FBI who are uh, dealing with some form of medical issues related to their service at 9-11. And that is from extremely sick to uh, you know minor respiratory issues or GERD, which is a, uh, uh, an issue with the esophagus. Uh, which is very, very common. And it's, and it's all from breathing in the different toxins that were on all three sites. Um, so if, if you are a person who uh, comes down, unfortunately, with some type of an illness, if you're signed up for the World Trade Center Health Program, uh, your medical treatment is covered by the World Trade Center Health Program. So you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, where is the money going to come for, from for these uh treatments and all this, your doctors, it's all covered, your medication is covered. So that's why it's so important for us to get people signed up before they get sick, uh, because it's much more difficult. Once you're sick, then you, you know, you're maybe paying uh, out of pocket for things and then get accepted into the program. They don't go back. So we want to get people to be signed up early, uh, well before anything happens and hopefully nothing happens. And then the Victims' Compensation Fund is another venue which uh, you know Matt McCauley and John Field from the Feel Good Foundation, uh, we as the FBI Association walk the halls of Congress with uh, a amazing group of firefighters, correctional officers, police officers, uh, all sorts of people uh, going into congressional and senators' 
offices and explaining to them that the victim compensation fund needs to be extended and it needs to be uh, refinanced so that it can go on and take care of people. Because unfortunately, uh, we may be 20 years out from 9-11 coming up, uh, but sadly, the uh, illnesses are still uh, manifesting themselves and the medical review says they will be for years to come. So uh, you may have been exposed long ago, but that, that, that doesn't matter. You're, the potential is there to still get sick. So um, if you remember, John Stewart uh, spoke up at Capitol Hill. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, there was uh, a, a detective from from New York City who uh, had been through, I think he said it was his over 60 chemotherapy treatments. Uh, and, you know, he gave a, a talk there that just was unbelievable. Uh, there was an FBI agent, uh, Tom Manel, who spoke at that event uh, in front of Congress. And uh, then uh, John Stewart spoke, uh, but it was really Louis Alvarez, his talk in front of Congress that uh, there wasn't a person there that didn't understand that this was important and that by not funding this, you're, you're, you're hurting the people who responded on 9-11 and uh, they didn't ask for, uh, you know, if this, what's going to happen to me if I go here, people who responded just went and they did their jobs and now they're getting sick from it and they're dying from it. And Congress came together in probably one of the only bipartisan efforts they've done in a long time. Uh, <laughs> but they approved the the uh, Victims' Compensation Fund going forward. And uh, it is now funded uh, for my lifetime. And so we know that if something happens that people are going to be taken care of. It's an amazing uh, program. And uh, the FBI Agents Association was involved in that effort. Uh, we were able to lend a voice to that uh, that effort on the Hill with because people said, oh, this is just a New York thing. And uh, we were able to go in there and say uh, we had teams from <clears throat> from all over the country. We had teams from California coming in and working on at uh, the ground zero. And we had teams from uh, Tennessee working at the Pentagon and all of these team members who go back after being exposed are across the country and oh i was in i was in the dallas field office at the time and i know we sent uh uh, multiple teams up there yes exactly so uh you know bringing that national view to it and uh then you know that the police officers the firefighters uh the emts all the first responders for all of these events they a lot of them me included uh have retired gene and i uh chose to retire on september 11th of 2019 and we did that in to honor uh, those friends of ours, uh, very good friends and colleagues that weren't able to retire. Uh, So the cool part is our credentials on our retired credentials. And if you look at yours, Mike, it's got a date up on the top and uh, ours says 9-11, 2019. And that's why we chose that date. So, you know, we went from the effort to get these names put up on the wall to the effort to get uh, assistance to these um, these agents and professional support employees who have become sick. And uh, I retired from the FBI in 2019, as I just said. I uh, stepped down as the president of the FBI Agents Association in July of 2019, because that's when my term was up. 
and Brian O'Hare is the current uh, president of the FBI Agents Association. He is uh, a strong believer in the the 9-11 programs. And so the fight continues with, uh, you know, the FBI Agents Association working with headquarters to identify people who potentially uh, were were on scene, were exposed, and could potentially become ill. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I just, I'm so proud of uh, what, uh, you know, I mean, you, you and I both know you're, there's a lot of things in your career that you've done uh, that you can say, hey, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm very proud of that. Um, but in all honesty, uh, in 35 years of law enforcement, the thing I am most proud of is the effort that Scott Stanley, Gene O'Connor, uh, you know, Mike Huff, Jen Hill, this small little band of merry fighters uh, got together and started early on pushing for this. And now we went from uh, $0 going to the families of the fallen FBI agents who had not been recognized as fallen FBI agents. They just went home and, and unfortunately died from cancers and other illnesses to now they're uh, fallen in the line of duty. They're on those walls of honor. And uh, over $8 million has gone out to support the families uh, under different programs, whether it be Victims' Compensation Fund, the Public Safety Officers' Benefits, uh, through the Department of Labor. Uh, all sorts of things have been done to assist these uh, people who are sick and people who have passed and their families. And, you know, the podcast topic that you have is not about cancer and it's not about, uh, you know, uh, lung disease and things like this that we know people have gotten from uh, the 9-11 experience and their first response to these events. But equally as important is the the fallout from 9-11. And uh, I always like to say that you can't unsee what we saw on 9-11 yeah. and, and the days that followed. Uh, so there is clearly a mental health component to the damage done to people based off of the attacks of 9-11. And the World Trade Center Health Program, not only do they give you a medical review every year, but you do a phone consultation. And if you're having any types of issues, uh, the mental health portion of it, that component is also very, very important and uh, they w are there to assist that in any way. They, the FBI Agents Association, we have a Memorial College Fund and that Memorial College Fund this year alone in, two, in 2020, we're sending uh, 33 kids to college. And that's 75% of tuition, housing, books, everything. And uh, that is, uh, those kids, a good number of them are from the fallen agents who passed due to 9-11 related illnesses. And uh, because we've identified these people uh, and we're able to get them recognized as fallen, um, the number of children in the, uh, in the queue for college is uh, somewhere in the number over 60. Uh, and with 33 in college, um, the that's one of the things that the, the FBI Agents Association is doing for those families. Uh, we also have, we created about six years ago, what's called the Members Assistance Fund, the Membership Assistance Fund. And 
uh, over that you know short few years, we put out uh, over a million dollars to membership uh, agents who are members of the association who have had. I mean, you really can't imagine the different issues, uh, whether it be uh, a, a a fire, a, a you know some type of natural catastrophe, a flood, uh, and then children sick, the spouses sick, all sorts of things that are not covered by uh, normal funding routes. And the FBI Agents Association has been able to come in and help out with that. So um, what I'm doing, so I'm, I'm retired now, and uh, Gene is clearly obviously retired also from the FBI, uh, but Gene just uh, started as the executive director of the FBI Agents Association. So uh, I'm amazingly proud of her. She is running the show uh, in the offices of the FBI Agents Association. There's 14,000 members, uh, and uh, she's also overseeing both of those charities. And uh, recently, the uh, leadership of the FBI Agents Association asked me to come back and, and help out in a part-time uh, basis uh, doing some uh, management of the, the, those two charities I just spoke about. So doing fundraising and and going out and trying to make sure that those funds are healthy. Uh, so if anybody's interested, they can go to the FBIAA.org. There's a tab that says donate and you can click on that. And I strongly believe that $5 from someone uh, is just as important as that corporate sponsorship because uh, that's how things get done from the ground up. That's how we were able to pass the Victims Compensation Fund by walking the halls of Congress with police officers, firefighters, regular people uh, who had been affected by 9-11. And uh, that fund was was completely passed because of those people. And that's how we're going to keep our funds and the FBI Agents Association uh, charities strong and be, be there for those families. Uh, because of people like the people you, that are listening to your podcast and that are on social media that just click that donate button and help. Uh, because I'm here to tell you there is no more important a time uh, to click that button than during this amazing pandemic when, uh, you know, everybody's hurting. This is these are some amazingly strange times. And uh, we have a run coming up. The G-Man Honors Run, uh, which is pretty pretty cool. Uh, you get a really neat G-Man uh, long sleeve T-shirt. That's the kind of stuff that I'm doing uh, in retirement to try and keep uh, the FBI Agents Association and take care of the families of not only the 9/11 people, but of agents who are shot, uh, agents who are injured in car accidents, and, uh, and it's just a, an amazing organization. Uh, that is there for people. And and one of the things that we're, we're very interested in making sure that we're there for people, for the members of the FBI Agent Association, is uh, suicide prevention. Because um, as you know, yeah. law enforcement has had a tough road of it. And sadly, uh, the FBI is not, uh, we're not outside of that, right? So we've had a number of suicides in the last uh, few years. And, uh, you know, you can only get beaten up so many times uh, and, and uh, it gets difficult. So uh, we want to make sure that agents know that we're there for them 
And uh, the way we do that is through our charities and just being there at the end of the phone. So um, I, I mean, I can't say enough about the stuff you're doing in your retirement in, in reaching out to people and making sure that they're uh, whole. And if they're not, that they're able to get there through some type of, a, uh, you know, just talking to somebody because uh, it's so important. And, yeah. you, know, you know, you know that the FBI over the years uh, tried to, um, you know, be there for the the responders to different events. And, and uh, you know, my career started in 97. The first event I went to was 1998 to the Africa bombings. I went to Nairobi. Uh, and then in 1999, went to Kosovo to do body exhumation for the war crimes uh, for two two different deployments. And then in uh, in 2000, I led the forensic team to the USS Cole, which included the the uh, forensic recovery of the sailors who were killed. And so all of these types of things uh, take a piece of you away, right? So the the mental health portion of it. Uh, can manifest itself into, uh, you know, drinking problems, potentially drug problems. And so you got to stay on top of that. And the Bureau has gotten much, much better. And I credit you with being one of the pioneers of, of getting behind that. Um, the, a few months before Gene and I retired, the Bureau uh, called us. And, and I think it's because they knew us through, through HRD and our connections at headquarters. But we got a call that said, hey, would you guys be interested in going to the post-critical incident seminar? And we're like, you know, we're retiring in, a, in a, like a month. Uh, and maybe you can send somebody else. And they're like, no, we think you guys should go because you, you, uh, we, you know, I've been to Iraq six times. I've been to Afghanistan three. She's been to Iraq five times. She's been to bombings all over the world uh, and shootings here in the United States uh, from the Navy Yard to the Tree of Life uh, Synagogue, just over and over. And, there, and agents across the board are doing the same things. So these people are amazing. Their resilience and the, the just keep responding to uh, events that most people, it would be a one and done. And these people just keep doing it. The evidence teams, the hazardous materials teams, the SWAT teams, and just the squad work itself. Uh, so it does uh, take a piece of you. And I think the Bureau has gotten much, much better uh, at addressing that. And that, that post-critical incident school that we attended uh, in our last month, uh, we both walked out of there saying, that was probably the most helpful thing that we've ever done in our careers because you don't realize the, the load you're carrying until you're able to sit down. And you know that in law enforcement, it is extremely difficult to get people who are those who keep responding to say, I need to talk to somebody. And that's why you have problems that, that uh, can, can come up uh, with people who are good people trying to do the right thing. And uh, we need to be there to intervene to get there because I always explain to our teams when we were responding to different events, I, I can remember being at the Pentagon and, and being at the back of our evidence truck and, and trying to put teams together as a team leader and coordinator for the evidence and remains recovery during that event. Uh, I remember getting the teams together and saying to them, you know, you guys are going to go in here now and see something that you really shouldn't ever have to see and do things you never should have to do, but we're going to do it. Uh, 
and we we need to stick together and talk about this. And uh, at that time in 2001, the programs weren't there for people really. Uh, so it was really just people banding together and talking to each other about things. Uh, and I think we've come so far in the uh, services that can be given to agents. And and I, I know in my heart of hearts that the FBI Agents Association, the, the, the college fund and the, the membership assistance fund are things that are there, uh, whether it's being used by you, but uh, hopefully it never will be, right? But I, it's so important to be a member and to support this type of an organization because it's the guy or the gal sitting next to you that may need that problem that I want to be there for. Uh, and that's the way I always sold it when I was active in, uh, you know, a, and the members of the FBI Agents Association are active duty agents uh, and some in a retired cadre of agents that are lifetime members. Um, but the people who make up the National Executive Board, uh, they are all active duty agents and they volunteer to do th this job, to be there. It is, it is truly a second full-time job, especially when you get to the vice president, president position. It is, Gene used to just laugh at me because I'd come home and it would be, the phone would start ringing and uh, it, it is constant. And in, in her, uh, FBI Agents Association career, uh, Jean was a trustee for the Memorial College Fund for 12 years. And what, what that meant was as the students applied and got into colleges, they have to keep a certain uh, grade point average. And every semester, the trustees, there's three trustees that volunteer to do this. They review uh, each one of those kids, uh, their whole boat, right? They're looking at their grades. They're making sure they're doing the right thing and, uh, and helping them along as they, uh, go through this. Cause you've got to remember each one of these kids just lost or has lost a parent who was yeah. an FBI agent. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not like, Hey, this kid's just going to college and, you know, going to the pub too much. This kid's dealing with the loss of a parent, uh, so it's really the trustees that, and Gene was one for 12 years is just such an important volunteer position because they're there. And Gene lost her dad at 56. He was a farmer and passed away. But uh, she knows what it is like to, uh, you know, to be a 17 year old, lose your parent and then go to college that next year. It's not easy. Uh, so it's just a really, really good organization, and uh, we're very proud to be uh, back in it in some way. I mean, Gene clearly is back into it, and I'm uh, kind of helping out and, and doing my own thing with uh, uh, consulting on, on domestic terrorism and terrorism issues. But um, So, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's really important that organizations like this, uh, that people support it, and, you know, the average person might not know that there is an FBI agents association. And in this day and age, they may really want to reach out and be able to help someone who's an FBI agent in their families. And they can do that by going to FBIAA.org and go to the donate charities and hit donate and $5, $10 or whatever you want to give. That's the way we're keeping these things alive. We have a, an event coming up, uh, Mike, in November. It's the G-Man Honors. 
And it is a really cool event. We started about six years ago. It, it is normally a dinner, uh, but now it is uh, uh, going to be a virtual event. And this virtual event is pretty pretty awesome. Um, our speaker is Dr. Fauci this year, which is uh, I don't know. If you oh wow! Any, you don't get any. You don't get any cooler than that. We've had our speakers in the past have been uh, General McChrystal, Admiral McRaven, uh, Leon Panetta. So I mean, we've been able to get some really amazing people to help us. Uh, and this whole dinner is is for uh, corporate sponsors to come in and give five, ten up to $50,000 to help this uh, cost, to help the college fund and the members assistance fund. And it is to see these people give back to their communities and give back to the FBI family uh, is just, it, it, that's why we're back in it, in retirement. We, hey, when we retired, we bought an RV, we were gonna go traveling the country. Uh, but then this pandemic kind of slowed that down and uh, we kind of got the bug to get back into the the charities and helping out uh, our FBI family that, that, you know, once you're in it, you're in it, you're in it for life. It's kind of like the mob, isn't it? It really is uh, blood in, blood out. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can't leave. You can't leave. No, it. <laughs> no. Yeah. It draws you back in. Uh, so we're really happy to be able to, to do what we're doing uh, and, and, and make sure that these agents, uh, are taken care of. And, you know, whenever I do uh, a talk on the 9-11 stuff, I, I, I never want to leave out Lenny Hatton because uh, I'm talking about the illness stuff. But Lenny Hatton was uh, an agent that I worked with at the, the bombings in Nairobi and uh, also worked with him at the bombings of the USS Cole. Lenny was a, a, uh, a bomb tech. And on 9-11, he was in New York and ran to the towers while people were running away. And yeah. sadly, the last he was heard from was on the radio in uh, one of the towers and it collapsed and, and he was never uh, heard from again and, and, and passed away on that day. Um, there was and if, if, if you allow me just a, a, a quick minute, I'm going to I want to just uh, give a quick talk about the people we've lost. Uh, Paul Wilson um, was uh, was one of the first agents to die from from the 9-11 illnesses in 2007. I mentioned Bob Roth, Lori Fournier in 2009. Jerry Job, my squad mate, sat right next to me, probably one of the funniest guys you'd ever want to meet. Uh, he, he passed away on September 11th in 2010. Jerry Senator was an agent uh, in, uh, in Charlotte and, and he passed away in January of 2011. So you can start to see that we had this cluster that really started to make us think something's going on here. Uh, William Bob Craig, I went to Kosovo with him, uh, an amazingly funny guy. As You've never had a drier sense of humor, but uh, just an amazing uh, guy. And he was an ERT person who responded to Shanksville, and he passed away from complications due to the, the exposure on uh, April 9th of 2012. Mark Mikulski was an agent out of WFO. Uh, he responded to the Pentagon and passed away. Steve Carr, another WFO agent who responded to the Pentagon with us in 2015, he passed away. Uh, Wesley Yu uh, was one of the first people that got sick and he fought unbelievably and uh, stayed uh, with us until 2015, October 11th, he passed away. Uh, a very good friend of ours, uh, Rex Stockham, who you may well know from down at Quantico. Um, Rex um, responded up to uh, 
to Shanksville with with uh, the teams there. Uh, he was an explosive person, and he passed away October of 2016. Mark Johnston uh, passed away in 2017, and Dennis Benelli and was out of New York, and he passed away in 2017. And interesting, I was doing the police unity tour. Uh, if you know what that is, it's a yeah, yeah, charity, ride. charity ride, bike ride. Yeah. It's about 320 miles, right? So there is a chaplain that's on a motorcycle and is one of our uh, one of the guides for the the ride. And we were just talking one evening at uh, at dinner, and uh, you know, you, you ride 100 miles, then you 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 drag your yourself down to the to the uh, the chow room. You eat your chow, and you go back to sleep, and get up and do it again the next day. I was talking to the the chaplain, and uh, he had told me that uh, his his uh, sister's uh, uh, boyfriend was a agent who worked out in New York and then it got to that he passed away from cancer and uh, in 2017 and I, whenever I hear any of that I start thinking right about the 9-11 people so we did some and this is part of what Gene and I were doing at uh, HRD was kind of investigations into deaths to see if potentially these people were on site and exposed and so Dennis Benelli, uh, based off of the conversation during the Unity tour, we were able to determine that Dennis was on the ground at ground zero. Uh, his cancer was one of the ones accepted by the World Trade Center. Uh, and so his name's on our wall of honor in, at the National Law Enforcement uh, Memorial. Um, Melissa Morrow, probably one of the nicest people you ever want to meet. She was an agent at WFO, worked with us at the Pentagon. Uh, and I had the honor of speaking at her uh, ceremony in, in 2018. She passed away while she was in Kansas City, assigned to the Kansas City field office. Dave LaValle, who was uh, the, he was an agent in New York City. He was our SAC at uh, the Washington field office and then went to Atlanta where he was an SAC, that, which is a special agent in charge. Uh, uh, Dave was exposed in New York City during his time there on 9-11 and uh, passed away in 2018. And then Brian Cruz uh, was an agent who worked in New York and he worked on amazing cases like the Enron uh, investigation, that stuff. He was exposed in New York City and he passed away in 2018. And then uh, our first non-agent uh, death, unfortunately, was uh, Homer Lewis, William Homer Lewis, who was a uh, electronics technician, which means he set up our radio systems at the Pentagon. Uh, so he was in the building setting up antennas uh, so that our radios would work inside the building. And uh, unfortunately, Homer uh, became sick and he died in April of 2019. So that's uh, the entire list of our deceased. And hopefully uh, we don't keep adding to that list, but I know in all reality uh, that we will. And I, I know that uh, the FBI Agents Association leadership now, Brian O'Hare, and when he retires, the next leadership will be there for the agents and professional staff uh, that become sick and uh, those who pass to make sure that their families are taken care of and that uh, the that these people are honored by being on the wall uh, of honor in uh, the FBI uh, across the board. 
so uh, that's kind of uh, what we've done and what we continue to do. Um, and if people uh, are interested, they can look up the FBI Agents Association and FBIAA.org and go to that charities and hit donate. I can't say it enough times. It's, it's amazingly important, the grassroots of people uh, getting behind causes to make sure that they're there for other people when they need it. And Tom, you had mentioned that there's a run, the G-Man run is coming up. When, what is the date on that? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here at my my uh, desk here. I'm gonna uh, look it up for you right now. It, it is coming up, and I can send you the link to it if you if you would like, and uh, you can you can post it if, uh, on your stuff if you'd like to do that. It's kind of cool. Um, Absolutely, and. It, uh, it, it, and you, we can, and you can look it up online as well. I'm, I'm sure it's yeah. on the internet yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a, uh, a virtual run, and uh, the it's been from October 8th uh, for several days after October 8th. And um, it is just the coolest thing. You, uh, it's $35, and um, you get a, an amazingly cool long-sleeve T-shirt uh, that has the G-Man on it, which is our logo. And, uh, you know, it's just a very cool thing to do. And, you know, in this time when we can't get everybody together uh, to do a, an outdoor, you know, 5K run, this is a neat way of doing it and uh, getting, uh, you know, people behind a, a, a program. So the, the date uh, that we're looking at for the run itself, and if you go to the, the website that you, you're going to see, and you can go to the FBIA.org um, that it's going to be between October 9th and the 18th. Uh, so it's a self, uh, guided run, uh, 5k and, um, you know, all the money goes to the, 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 uh, Memorial college fund. Uh, and, you know, the neat thing is I mentioned, uh, Matt McCauley from Turk and Heath and McCauley, the attorney who has helped the association with, with getting people signed up for the World Trade Center Health Program and the, the Victims' Compensation Fund. You know, there, there's just some cool people in the world. And uh, Matt, Matt called me the other day about this run. And this guy's got like a thousand things going on. He's like, hey, I'm gonna, uh, uh, we're gonna put uh, $10,000 toward this. So oh, wow. uh, the, the first 1,000 runners, he's gonna put $10 uh, to each one of them uh, to the, you know, that's, I mean, I just shake my head and the people that I meet when, when it comes to helping out these charities, uh, you just, uh, it's just amazing. So, uh, I can't, I can't give them a loud enough shout out because they are huge supporters of the association and, and primarily the charities, uh, and have been an amazing, amazing, uh, assistance for, FBI agents uh, signing up for the Memorial College Fund. You know, there are a lot of people out there that will, uh, lawyers that'll do this. Um, uh, I became friends with Matt because Matt was a first responder. He was a detective in New York City. He was on the pile. He's lost, I can't even uh, tell you how many people he's become close with that are clients of his uh, that have passed. And they, he, is, he is just constantly with the family during the most troubled times. And it means so much uh, to have, and he's done that for FBI agents. He's been there in the middle of the night on the phone calling uh, just outstanding 
person and uh, and shows it over and over with things like this G-Man uh, 5K where he, you know, uh, not only helps out but puts his money where his mouth is. He just true believers in taking care of people. So uh, there's a lot of those people out there. I know there are. And these, you know, we're in some tough times. The country is divided uh, in political camps. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in my consulting world is domestic extremists. And uh, we're, it's a tough time, and, uh, but there are good people out there. And like anything else, we'll get through this. Yep. And uh, it's because of good people uh, at the FBI Agents Association, at all these different charities that are out there helping people, uh, that that's the only way we're going to get through it. It's not through our uh, politicians or it's us, right? We got to stick with each other, help each other. Uh, through this pandemic, through this uh, turbulent times. And uh, it's just, I'm proud to be part of the FBI Agent Association charitable efforts. And uh, I, I, I don't know what else I have to say, uh, but uh, I appreciate uh, this uh, opportunity to talk to you. It's always great to talk to you because uh, you're a kind of guy that's a caring guy, right? Which is pretty cool. That's why you're in the world you're in. And, uh, Hopefully, um, you know, somebody gets something out of this in your podcast. Well. Oh, and I'm sure they will. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, Tom, you know, the uh, post-critical incident seminar. And um, for those in the audience that don't know what, what that is, um, it is a seminar that's for and, – and a lot of states have uh, a PCIS, post-critical incident seminar. And that's for um, uh, first responders that have been involved in um, a critical incident. It could be a shooting. could be a crash. It could be – partner dying from cancer. It could be any number of things. And you go and it's several days of uh, get hearing, um, get, being educated on trauma, being educated uh, on addictions, being uh, having therapy sessions, uh, wellness discussions, and, and all those sorts of discussions. And I've uh, had the opportunity to attend, uh, particularly Ohio. I do a lot of work with the Ohio PCIS, but there's PCISs all over the country. And uh, Tom, what I hear... Uh, when you go around the room, and, and usually at these events, you go around the room and you you listen to the story of what brought that particular individual to uh, to the PCIS. And it's a heavy, it's a heavy, oh, heavy boy. day. It is. And I'll tell you, but what I well, something I've noticed, and this is something that you and the uh, FBI Agents Association and the work that you and your wife are doing addresses. Um, what's amazed me, and I and I can't help but notice. The, the similarity in every single PCIS I go to. You have the trauma, and you always hear this horrific story that brought that, that individual to the, to the PCIS. But what I hear over and over and over is, you know, I'm, I'm a police officer. I'm a, an EM, because the ones I've gone to, we have EMTs, corrections officers, dispatchers, and some of them military members. And they say, you know, when I got into this business, I, I kind of thought that something like what brought me here would, would happen. Um, and where they are at at that moment, it, it's not so much the trauma of that event that was eating away at them. It was the fact that it may be a year later, two years later, you know, t time has passed and people felt like either a, the agency has forgotten about them. The community has forgotten about them or coworkers have forgotten about what's gone on. And they, they felt like they're alone and they no longer have that support of the organization. And what I love about what you're doing, Tom, is 
you know, these things don't just grow up out of the ground. I mean, you know, it's not that your agency doesn't care. It's not that people around you don't care. It's just that, you know, people get busy. People, um, life moves, particularly if you're in an agency like the FBI or a police department or fire department, you know, the next call happens and people move on and they don't mean any harm. But there always has to be somebody that is always pointing back to reminding you that you have help that you can get help, that they'll take care of your family, they'll take care of you um, and our loved ones. And I know in, in law enforcement and in the rest of the first responder community, I'm willing to put my life on the line. I know you are as well, Tom, but all I ask is somebody to come along and, and make sure that my family is taken care of. But somebody has to make that happen. And that's been you, Tom. And that's when I, I really respect that about you. I really respect that about your wife and, and all of the work that the organization is doing. Because anybody that's in this business that's all we we ask for. And to see that you've gone back and remembered these folks after all these years and honored them through retiring on 9-11, that is just phenomenal. It really is. And so I really applaud the work that you guys are doing over there. And uh, again, folks, if... Um, if you can, check out the FBI Agents Association website. If, if you feel inclined, donate uh, to the organization. Um, spread this podcast to anybody that you feel needs to hear this. And please participate in the G-Man run that, that's coming up because it's just fantastic, it, it, the, the work. And remember, Tom was talking about helping out uh, the children of uh, fallen agents so they can go they can go to college and just there isn't a greater work than that and so tom thank you again for joining us today and um, uh, mike i yeah. appreciate it uh it uh is my honor to uh to be involved in your effort going forward here so i, I very much appreciate that and and gene uh was going to sit in with us here today but uh unfortunately uh you know work got in the way of that um so uh, you got me instead, so straight up. <laughs> well, she's doing the important work that we're talking about. Ex exactly, exactly. <laughs> we'll have we'll have her at some point as well too, and we'll um, we'll have her talk about you and and how she's keeping you in line in retirement. So, uh, <laughs> hey, that that's if anybody knows us, and there's a lot of people that do, they know that uh, <laughs> that's the way it's been since day one. We, we're uh, coming up on our 33rd year of marriage. Oh wow! Uh, we we would drive to work together. We deployed to Iraq together. We went to shooting scenes together. Uh, we drove out to bank robberies together. Uh, people would be like, "How is it possible that you two uh, continue <laughs> to work together?" I'm like, "I don't know. It seems to work." So yeah. I'm not, and, I, uh, and those I'm of not you that aren't, if you're not familiar with law enforcement in the history of marriages and law enforcement, uh, <laughs> not being good. at 33 not good. years is <laughs> it's yeah, a, not good amazing because I get that all the time. My wife and I have been married 31 years this together, and I and I speak at different places, and I and I, I mention that, and people are like. Wait, wait, wait. To, to one woman? You've been married 31 years? Uh, no, what there's a lot, of, co a lot of cops. Right. A lot of <laughs> cops that can tell you they've been married 33 years, but there's four people involved in that that uh, cycle. Yeah. And a lot of attorneys. So, yeah, <laughs> oh a lot of attorneys. Exactly. Exactly. And they're, they're not going to click on donate at the FBIAA because they're trying to. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to be donating. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, hey, thanks. And and so as always, I'd like to say I don't represent any group. We are talking about the FBI Agents Association, but uh, just keep in mind, I don't, I don't 
represent the agents association. I'm just encouraging you to get involved with it. Um, so don't represent anyone other than myself. And so my only purpose is giving this information uh, today is to, to share with you. So uh, we can talk about the programs that are out there and programs that have uh, helped agents and, and others in the community and the children, and maybe they can help you too, or maybe this will inspire you to help your own organization, whichever organization you may belong to. So if I've said anything that does not apply to you, or Tom said anything that doesn't apply to you, or you don't agree with, you know, just discard it. But try to take some information that we talked about today that you can use for yourself and that you can use to help others as well. That's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves along the ways while we are trying to help you as well. So with that, please visit our Facebook site at Recovery is Possible and our website at VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com and let me know how I'm doing and let me know if there's any topic you're interested in hearing. I'd love to hear from you. So guys, take care and we will see you next time. <music>